Hey guys, Andrew here. You may have noticed something strange with our podcast last week. The title suggested you would hear an interview with our friend Randy Hain, but when you actually listened to the episode, it was a repost of a podcast from November. Our sincerest apologies for this mistake. Because we wanted you to enjoy this fantastic interview with Randy Hain, we decided to repost the episode correctly this time. So without further ado, please enjoy Essential Wisdom for Every Generation with Randy Hain. And we look forward to sharing another new episode with you next week. Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I'm your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Tim, today we got an exciting one. Yes, we do. Uh, we've got a really great leader who you're going to sit down with and interview. Uh, that man's name is Randy Hain. And I just want to do a quick introduction of Randy. And actually, you know him really well, so I'll let you give a little more personal introduction uh, after that. But Randy Hain is the founder and president of Servium Partners. He's also the co-founder of the Leadership Foundry with a successful career, or 30-year career in senior leadership roles, corporate talent, and executive research. He is a sought-after executive coach for senior leaders at some of the best-known companies in the U.S. He is the award-winning author of eight books. We've actually heard he's working on his ninth right now, mm -hmm. uh, including his latest book, the one we're going to talk about today, uh, is Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation. You can totally see how this aligns with yes, what we're doing yes. at Growing Leaders. So Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation is a highly consumable, practical guide to accelerating personal growth and professional development, offering useful insights at every age and any stage along one's career journey. This book is filled with anecdotal experiences and helpful tips meant to inspire new ways of thinking for leaders and aspiring leaders as well. So we are so excited uh, to have Randy with us. So Tim, do you want to say a couple more things about Randy? Randy, thanks for sitting down with me today. I just got to thinking, you and I have known each other for well over a decade. Um, I remember meeting with you at a Waffle House, I think. You had served as an executive at yes. Waffle House. But I remember it was wise counsel. You began to give me, we're about to talk about your essential wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is not only a great friend, he would be a great board member. And sometime after that, I asked and you graciously responded and you've been a board member for years and years and years. How many, do you know how many years? I think this is my 12th year. Yeah. And I remember that meeting very well. Yeah, it was so fun. I felt like I'd met, um, well, a sage. I know your wife probably doesn't refer to you as a, as a sage. But <laughs> she uses other words. Yes, <laughs> which, which we're not permitted to say right now. So, Randy, I've appreciated your friendship. You always bring wise counsel. And um, I just appreciate that you're able to, for many people that you consult with, speak into their lives so personally and yet so collectively. Um, I, I just love that about you. And that's what this book is about. When you read it, you feel like, oh my gosh, he's speaking to me. And yet it pertains to everybody of every generation. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind, let's jump in. I've got some questions I've written down Absolutely. and I'm just going to fire match it. So your book title, I love, is Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation. Is there, is there one ingredient for great leaders to have no matter what their generation? You know, I um, I thought about that as, as I was writing the book, and, you know, when the book was finished, I sort of read it for the 20,000th time, yeah. just kind of reflected on what I'd done. And I think the theme that emerged for me that unites the entire book is, I think the essential ingredient is be a good human being. 
Mm. All the chapters are, are really kind of united yeah. through this idea that we need to show up and be good human beings, good leaders, take care of our people. Yeah. So the chapters you know, cover everything from gratitude to generosity to serving others to being kind. Yeah. And I think that's the uniting theme. And you know what, Tim, I think you'd agree with me. Every good leader I know is a yeah. quality human being, yeah. and they put people first. No doubt about it. In fact, the the problem with some of us is we get categorical. We're, we're this way at work, and then, oh, quick, switch the flip, flip the switch, and that's not healthy at all. Integrity says I'm kind everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, Randy, as a board member at Growing Leaders, that's what you bring to the board. Mm, uh, certainly there's business strategy that you offer us, but you're often calling us <clears> back, now, who are we? What are we supposed to be doing? And it's always helpful. So you you live out, you practice what you preach in this book. So thank you. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, Tim. Uh, you know, you and I both have to read a lot of leadership books. We have yeah. to stay current. Yeah, and and I I value those books. I find great. I, I'm mm-hmm. very interested in all the topics. Yeah, but I wanted to write a book about showing up as mm. a good leader. Mm. And I wanted the 20-year-old and the 60-year-old yeah. to all find value in it. Yeah. So it's more about showing up as a leader versus you know the ABCs of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I could even see a group of 20-somethings and 60-somethings meeting as a group going through this book and everybody getting something a little different out of it because we're in a different life station. Yes. So I love that. Um, so what are the challenges that maybe young leaders face today and how do you motivate them to be good leaders? You know there is a big difference between the 60-something and the 20-something. Talk about that. You know, in my in my opinion and in, in my experience, because I do have the, the good fortune of speaking on college campuses, yeah. I work with a number of young leaders, is I wonder, are we truly equipping this next generation mm-hmm. of leaders? Yeah. Are we equipping them to lead? Are we equipping them to thrive in life? I've got doubts. I've got concerns. Mm. So as I think about that idea, you know, I, I, I think that as they prepare for whatever it is they're going to do, the focus that they have is, is more inward. They're, they're on a search for personal truth versus, you know, really learning the timeless values mm-hmm. of authenticity yeah. and relationships and curiosity and gratitude and the true meaning of success. So, you know, I think my generation, our generation yeah. has a duty and an obligation to really serve as good yeah. role models and invest in that generation. Um, I think we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, and they're coming out of school, they're, they're in the workplace right now, and they are ready and they are eager to learn, but is the teacher ready? Yeah. And I think we need yeah. to jump in and do our part. Yeah, I totally agree. I read some data yesterday that just got published that said millennials are the happiest of all the generations on their job, but they're the ones that are looking for a job more than the other generation. Yes. So what that there, it could mean a number of different things. One, it could mean I'm happy with the work I'm doing, but the job I have may not be what I want right now, mm-hmm. or it may be much larger. But you're right. It's up to us who've been around for more than a few decades mm-hmm. to say, let me offer what I can give you mm-hmm. that's timeless. I just think it's critical. And I'm going to disparage our generation and generations yeah. older than us. I think that we often look across the divide and wag our finger. Yeah. If those kids would just get it. Those kids today. Just figure it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, but uh, unfortunately, we're not reaching across with our, yeah. our hands extended and saying, hey, we want to help. Mm-hmm. We want to invest. Yeah. In this book, what's interesting about it is it really is a great guidebook for all kinds of yeah. mentor-mentee relationships. Um, it really is that it is a, a book filled with the kind of content that a mentor and a mentee should go through yeah. together. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I was one of the endorsers of this book. Yes, you were. That's what I was thinking as I read through it. This would be a great conversation starter mm-hmm. for multiple generations. So one of the big ideas that you talk about in the book is the need for a moral compass. Mm-hmm. You're not the first person to say that, but you really hit that 
nail on the head there. What's the best way to develop a sound moral compass? You know, in my in my opinion, I think the best place to start is at the beginning. And let's acknowledge the necessity of a moral compass. We have to have mm. something that helps us yeah. really decide what is right or wrong. I know that sounds really basic, but when you really kind of think about it, it, it it's actually profound. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't really know the difference between right or wrong. You yeah. see it in the workplace every day. You see it in government. You see it in all over. Yeah. Uh, or do we really understand what it takes to make those decisions? Yeah. So if we can at least acknowledge the importance of it, how do we get one? Yeah. Well, I, I give a number of examples in the book, uh, but just a few that would help us all maybe further develop that moral compass would be, you know, thinking about the impact of faith, if you have faith in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, I happen to be a Christian, but I, you know, I work with, you know, people who are Jewish or Muslim yeah. faith, Buddhist, yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, they all have some underpinning that helps yes. really support this idea of a moral compass. Mm -hmm. I would also say I know people that have no faith that have a strong moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you have a consistent set of behaviors, yes. that's a start. Yeah, I think some other things to do is to is to think about the listening to the wisdom of family members or mm. surrounding yourself with good role models. Yeah. Uh, maybe seek out friends who will challenge us to help us elevate our behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, pick the right environments where you live and work, and then finally, I think finding a strong pillar to lean on. For me, it's my faith and my prayer life. Yeah, uh, you may yeah. have different ways to look yeah. at it, but I think all of those things together will help you develop that moral compass. No doubt about it. I I have a couple of friends that live in Canada that talk about uh, their research displaying that today's emerging generation has elastic morality. Mm, interesting. And, and that's a great term, I think. It doesn't mean they're right or wrong, but it may be changing, mm -hmm. it may be stretching mm -hmm. based on circumstances. It's situational ethics. It's really essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. That's a bit scary. It is. Uh, if you're running a company and you've got situational ethics, well, is it based on your your benefit or the company's benefit or mm -hmm. what is it? Um, have you seen any elastic morality? And if if so, I see it weekly. Yeah, I, I work with uh, senior leaders every yeah. day, but I also work with their teams. And yeah. it comes up when we where it where it manifests itself most is when people start to justify their yes. actions. Yeah. Well, I know we have a problem with so and so's. Yeah. Uh, you know, ethical approach to this. Yeah. But you know what? The numbers are great. That's and I right. Think we just need to overlook it this time. That's right. Yeah. You know? And and I see it all the time. Yeah. I think another aspect of this, if we go the other direction, is it takes courage to live with the moral compass. Yeah. Because it does. you have to say no. That's you have right. to stand up for what's right. That's right. And it, it can be lonely to have a strong yeah. moral compass. Yeah. But it's the only way to live. I agree. And that compass is transcendent of you. So it isn't just for your benefit. Yes. Today, I'd like to say yes, but I have to say no. Yes. You know what I'm thinking right now? Jonathan Haidt, the NYU professor of ethics and leadership at, at, at New York University, uh, wrote about the metaphor of the rider and the elephant. And he says, inside of every one of us, we have an elephant and a rider on top. <coughs> the rider is obviously much smaller than the elephant, mm -hmm. but the rider is our rational thinking. Mm -hmm. The elephant is everything else. It's our feelings, our emotions, our subconscious. And the rider pretends like he's in charge, but that elephant's going to go every... But the rider starts justifying. Well, I, the reason I went over there is because, you know, I logically... No, you didn't. And so you're right. We justify behavior mm -hmm. where our elephant has run to, when in reality... We need to take a good hard look at the fact that elephant has run away, and I'm, I'm just riding. You know what yeah. the great thing though about uh, about moral the moral compass before we move on to something yeah. else? Yeah, yeah. I think 
it's not something you're necessarily born with. It's not like eye color. Yeah. It can be developed mm-hmm. over time. That's right. And if yeah. you're a 22-year-old or a 52-year-old right now listening and wondering, gosh, do I have a good moral yeah. compass? It can be grown. Yeah. It can be improved. It yes. can be developed. That's right. So, you know, and using some of the ideas in the book, the yep. things I just shared, surround yourself with people who you think have a good moral mm-hmm. compass. That's yeah. a place to start. Yeah, I agree. I agree. In fact, that's the best place to start, I think. Mm -hmm. So being candid in the workplace, I'm kind of taking a sharp right turn here. (laughs) Sure, sure. But maybe not. It is is maybe about morals. Being candid in the workplace can be very tricky. We all want candor. We all want vulnerability, transparency, keep it real. But being candid can be tricky. What are some of the best practices you have either practiced or seen that you would say this is the best way to, to do that? I love candor, as you know. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. I've been the fan. recipient of your candor before. <laughs> but you know what? There is a way to deliver candor yeah. that's so important. Yeah. And so I'll just give you a couple of ideas. Uh, one that's one of my favorites is uh, is called permission rules. Sometimes I call it Haynes permission rules, okay. although that seems arrogant. I'm sorry. Okay. But yeah. it's it's this idea that we should ask permission to be candid. Yeah. Now, if you know me, I'm always going to tell you what I really think. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that's very sensitive, or if I don't know you very well, you might hear me say, hey, Tim, I'd like your permission yes. to share an observation. Are yeah. you open to hearing this yes. right now? Right. Now, in 23 years of doing that, no one's ever told me no. Everyone says yes. Yeah. But when you say yes, it's almost like we enter into a psychological mm-hmm. contract. Yeah. You've given me permission. Yeah. You may be nervous, but I was respectful and courteous, mm-hmm. and I asked, and now I can walk through the door that you've opened for me. Yeah. Now, once I walk through that door, I need to be respectful and helpful. Yeah. Because if I walk through the door and put a hand grenade on the table, you know, you yeah. really stink at this, yeah, Elmore. Right. I'll see you later. See ya. That's yeah. not helpful. No. Once I walk through the door, I need to give you candid advice, help. I need to I yeah. need to help you with whatever it is that I've observed. Yeah. So I think that's one aspect of the permission rules that's really critical. The other side of it is giving people permission to be yeah. candid with you. Yeah. Now, let me tell you the wrong way to do it. Okay. Uh, at the end of a meeting, you're walking out the door. Hey, you guys can tell me what you're thinking anytime yeah. you want. Have yeah. a good day. Yeah. That's yeah. not sincere. Instead, it's, hey, Tim, listen, I will not grow as a leader unless you tell me what you're really thinking. Mm-hmm. I know I've got things to work yeah. on. I am giving you permission to come to me anytime and tell me what you really think. Yeah. When, when I give you that permission and you know I'm serious, I'm going to learn what I need to work on yeah. from you. And that's invaluable. Randy, I'm going to acknowledge something now through this microphone for listeners to hear. You and I had a recent conversation on the phone, and if you remember... I apologize to you. And I said, I owe you a profuse apology. I think I use that adjective because you had candidly shared some insight. We won't even go into what it was, mm-hmm. some insight about our organization. And I do listen to you every time, but I thought, I thought otherwise. And I said recently, Randy, you are absolutely right. And you were so gracious to say, well, let's take it from here and let's move forward. But I, listeners, I want you who are listening right now just to know this is the kind of man Randy is. He practices that. Can I have permission? Because you asked permission. I said, sure. And then you gave some hard feedback that I didn't see what you saw at the time. Mm -hmm. I sure see it now. So, Thank you for yeah, saying that. Yeah, you betcha. There's one yeah. other element of, of candor that we might explore just very briefly. Yeah. And a lot of people are concerned about how to get feedback, how to get candid yes, feedback. Yes, yes. One, one sort of life hack or tip I'd give you is to think about being specific when you ask for feedback. So here's the wrong way to do okay. it. Hey, Tim, am I doing okay? 
Yeah, sure, yeah. Randy, you're doing great. Yeah. Instead, hey, Tim, listen, I know I need to work on a few things. Mm-hmm. Do you have a couple of coaching ideas yes. for me? Yes. Marry specificity to yes. your feedback request. Yes, I love Just it. Just another thought. It's the only way to get real, isn't it? Yes. Otherwise, it's going to be super. Fine. How you doing? Fine. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. So how do leaders build better professional relationships? So we're, they're always going to be human, mm-hmm. hopefully. Sure. But how do we build better professional? And they're, they're probably young leaders even thinking, I need to know that. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Uh, I've got a quick story, if I may, that okay. uh, really will cover all generations. Okay. So yeah. when I graduated from University of Georgia 34 years ago, I can't believe I just said <laughs> that out loud. My father uh, had, had worked for John Deere for 38 okay, years. Okay, yeah. And he was in sales. But it, he was amazing, but not because he was a great sales guy. He was a great relationship guy. Mm. And my dad knew with my political science degree, I probably wasn't qualified for much of anything. Yeah, yeah, but I had yeah. a new job lined up with a, an, a retailer, a large retailer, and I was yeah. going to their leadership development program. And he said, Randy, I've got three tips for you. He said, listen, when you get to this new job, I want you to I want you to really approach people with a desire to be helpful. He said, yeah. I want you to serve others. Yes. That was the first tip. And I got that because my mom and dad were servant leaders. Made sense. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go in and he'll be helpful. I'll do whatever yeah. I can to be helpful. He said, the second tip is I want you to be curious. He said, I want you to ask questions. Have yeah. the humility to say, I'd like to learn from you. Can you teach me that? Yeah. I don't know much about your, your business. Can you can you walk me through whatever? Yeah. And he said, I know you like to show up and be prepared, but I want you to go in and ask questions. So be curious, Dad. Got it. Number two, that makes sense. The third tip actually took me years to get. Mm. He said, I want you to work very hard on every conversation you have with anyone that they walk away from it feeling like you added value. Yes. I want them to feel like it was worth their time. So those three tips, I want you to help others, I want you to be curious, and I want you to add value, were what I learned at 21. Now, I've got to tell you, the first two were easy, the third took years. But over time, I learned, well, to add value, I could be a good listener. I could offer good advice. I can make connections to people in my network. I can give you the gift of a book, maybe one I've written or one of Tim Elmore's. I could do a number of things to add value. But this is the thing that's really important. I learned that at 21. At 55, it's still exactly how I build relationships. Mm, It's timeless. It's true. Well, you've done that for me, for sure. So real quick, I want to double click on that before we go to one last big question. Number one was help others. Number three was add value. Talk about the difference you see between those two. They seem close, but... I think if you just have a, a, a desire that's very sincere, I'm here to serve your needs. I want to yeah. help you. What yeah. can I do for you? Yeah. You know, it just starts with that. Now, the add value uh, really for that to thrive is you have to start out by asking good questions and listening. Hmm. So I'm listening to Tim and I'm learning. Yeah. You know what? We've got some work challenges. Yeah. You know what? Tim could use some help in this area of his personal yeah. life. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going much deeper than just kind of that. What can I do to help you in the yeah. moment? It's I'm thinking about what can I do to be a real partner to Tim? What wow. can I do to be a value-added friend over time. And that goes much, much deeper, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, And they are two distinct Mm -hmm. things. They're cousins, but they're not twins. Right. Yeah, love that. Good. All right, so one big question that I think is most relevant, even for our listeners today. Why is professional credibility so important, especially today? Professional credibility. You know, I encounter both seasoned leaders and young professionals every day who are not aware of or, quite frankly, even concerned about how they're perceived by their colleagues and maybe other professionals. So I think this speaks to a lack of self-awareness, but it also 
it's also about not understanding the damage that poor credibility can inflict on your career. So here's some examples of what I think are poor credibility. Okay. Uh, a poor professional appearance, mm. inappropriate social media posts, yeah. chronic tardiness, yeah. failure to show gratitude, failure to show up in a timely manner, mm. not honoring your commitments. All of these, if you if you think about them, uh, if they show up in anyone, be it a 20-year-old or a 60-year-old, yeah. they damage your credibility. Yeah, it feels bad. And, yeah. what, and what happens is, and I see this more and more in today's age, people show up and they act, but they don't necessarily think about the ripple effect yeah. of their actions. Yeah. So all of these things may seem innocent, and, but if you put them together, it causes a lot of damage. And what happens is the person on the other end decides not to consider you for an opportunity. Mm -hmm. They don't open a door yep. that they might have opened otherwise. Yep. They don't go further to help you. And you may not even know it. So you've got to be very self-aware. Yes. How am I showing yeah. up? And that goes back to my part about my uh, point about candid feedback. This may be one of the things you want to ask people. Yeah. Am I coming across as credible to you? Do you have any ideas for me on how I can get better? Yeah, yeah. love it. So I lied. I actually do have one more question for oh, you. Sure, sure. We talked about how this book could be a resource for mentoring relationships, sure. discussions between groups and communities. What would you say are some takeaways you've learned about the art of mentoring? I am so grateful to have the opportunity to mentor young people, young yeah. professionals and yeah. college students. I, I always am working with at least five or six young yeah. leaders. Love it. I, it's my, one of my favorite things to do. So I think there are two things that I've learned over the years. One is it's critical to set expectations, goals, yes. accountability at the beginning of the mentor-mentee yeah, relationship. Define yeah. the relationship. Mm -hmm. What is it that we're here to do and who owns what? Mm -hmm. But the second, and this has been a pleasant surprise, one that won't surprise you, I've always found that I learn far more than I expected from my mentees. Yeah. And what this has taught me is to always be open to learning and seeking wisdom from everyone, mm -hmm. regardless of age or experience. Yeah. Those are my big takeaways. That's good. That's so rich. And I think you're spot on. Mm -hmm. I would have concurred. The young professionals or even students I've mentored to, I end up taking away more than I gave. Yes. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope they got something out of that. I sure did. So. Yeah. Randy, this has been rich. I expected it to be, and it has been. So thank you for coming in today and just taking some thank time you. to verbalize what's in this great book. But um, Andrew's going to come back around and tell people how to get it. But thanks for putting it together, for creating this resource out of years of experience. This was a, an accumulation, wasn't it? It wasn't just a <laughs> six-month project. This was years in the making? It was uh, at least three or four years yeah. in the making. Yeah. And, uh, and thank you for having me. But also, yeah. Tim, you're, you're one of those wise leaders that I've learned from. So thank you. Well. I appreciate it. You're, you're being very kind. Uh, love you, my friend. Great to be with you. And Andrew, come back and talk to us about how we can pick up the book. If you're eager like me to pick up a copy of this book, I want to tell you where to find it. Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation is available on Amazon. That's the best place to go and grab it. And you can also find out more about Randy Hain and his work at serviumpartners.com. That's S-E-R-V-I-A-M partners.com. Uh, we'd love for you to check that out and follow Randy. He writes great blog posts and does a lot of really other great stuff. So check him out there. As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love for you to do that. If you found this conversation helpful, just share with a friend. We'd love for you to do that as well. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you guys are. And then finally, if you've got ideas for this podcast, people you think we should interview, topics we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Randy, again, for such an incredible conversation. 
conversation. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Woo!